0: I'm David
1: Fedor, and on today's episode of Bee Gees and Me. I'm considering, I didn't want to get to that step, but I am considering even buying a CD player now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you you have to resort to buying outdated technology just to be able to play so many songs? (laughs) When I hear that song, I think of that scene from Friends where Ross and Rachel are having
1: a fight. Uh, the Edge, his brother, was also in, in the group. group, but he decided they were probably not good enough, so he wanted to go <laughs> <The other> in group instead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, boy. Mistake, mistake, mistake. I wonder if he ever regretted that. I don't know, Rachel.
0: So I found it always, I'd go in my car and start my car, and then all of a sudden my iTunes would pop up, it would connect with my phone, with the, with the radio in the car, and start playing u And I'm like, I don't wanna listen to this right now. <laughs> this is not something I signed up for. Welcome to Bee Gees and Me, I'm David Fedor. I'm so psyched about today's episode. I got the chance to talk with a fellow Bee Gees fan because of this show you're listening to right now. Because of Bee Gees and Me, I got to meet Frode Apland from Norway. I sent out a uh, plea on one of the episodes. says, if you have stories, if you want to talk with me about your love of the Bee Gees, shoot me an email, hit me up. And he did... And we connected, and it was so much fun. I have a new Bee Gees friend for life now. Uh, but like the thing that blew my mind was how incredible it was to talk with somebody halfway around the world. You know, it's somebody on the other side of an ocean about our love of the Bee Gees. I mean, without the internet, none of that would have been possible. I would have not have been able to meet and talk with Frode. But here we are myself in the United States, him in Norway. We're almost 4,000 miles apart, but we're connected, not only because of the internet, but we're connected because of the songs of the Brothers Gibb. That's so awesome. So he's been obsessed with the Bee Gees for the past five years, and before that, he was a huge U2 fan. So we took that opportunity with his uh, love of U2 to also talk about how these two bands compare. So we we have a Versus episode today. Bee Gees versus U2. I think it's a lot of fun. I think you'll really enjoy it. But before we get into that. I want to talk about a personal milestone. That I was able to achieve. This week. I got myself. A Bee Gees tattoo. That's right. I permanently marked my skin. With a tribute to the Bee Gees, I joked that I crossed the line between fan and fanatic when this happened, um, but I I can't be more excited about how it turned out. It's the Spirits Having Flown tour logo that I got tattooed on my leg. You may have seen it online. Check out my Instagram at Bee Gees and me. Uh, that's my Twitter handle too at Bee Gees and me. You'll see some pictures. Um, I think it turned out great. My tattoo artist, my friend, Michaela Cottman smith she did a tremendous job. Right now it's healing up. I've been using my lotion and everything like that. And uh, In about a week or so, I'll get a couple touch-ups before it's going to be officially done. But I'm so happy. I'm so excited. And I'm already thinking about what other tattoos that I need to get. <laughs> I might be addicted. I heard that's a thing um but yeah I, I i took a lot of pictures and i took some video i don't know if i want to share the video though because um some people might be grossed out by video of somebody getting tattooed so that may or may not pop up on my youtube channel so keep an eye out for that but i do have a question uh i do have a question for you listener do you have a bg's tattoo and if so i want to see them send me your pictures of your Bee Gees tattoos to Bee and at gmail.com with the subject header, my BGs Gees tattoo. Uh, I'd love to see what other people have. There's some creative ones that I've seen. Some people shared already and replied uh, in the comment section to some of the pictures that I shared and, and they're so great. I want to know what I need to get next. Um, so, uh, send me your tattoos and and let me know if it's okay if i could share them on social media uh, because i'd love to post them on twitter and stuff because i i think fans would love to see tattoos and if you and if you don't have a tattoo let me know what you would get if you did decide to get one i think that could be fun but all right so that's your mission today bg's tattoos send them my way and now let's get to today's episode bg's versus you two right after this all right welcome to bgs and me i'm david fedor today is a versus episode where we talk about another musical group or musical act and sort of compare them to the bgs today it's bgs versus you two and to help me with that today is frode apland
1: yeah Perfect. Frode, or Frode, welcome to Bee Gees and Me. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here and I'm a big fan of your show. Uh, I think I've listened to all of your podcasts and it's so great to be here to talk about my two favorite groups ever, I would say. Yeah.
0: Oh, awesome. Thank you very much for that. And sorry for butchering your name. You're uh, obviously from Norway. And um, so it's uh, Frode Epland. I I, am horrible with accents to begin with. Epland.
1: Monkey Monkey (laughs) country. Yeah.
0: So uh, Frode, I might call you Frodo, uh, which you said that some some people do as well. Um, So you and I connected with uh, through social media, Mm -hmm. um, because you know, you, you, you've listened to the show, you're a super fan of the Bee Gees, you reached out, um, what I love and one of the biggest things I want to do with the show is to connect with people like you, especially because you're, um, you're kind of like me in the fact that we've discovered the Bee Gees later in life than, than when they were popular at their peak in the seventies or even back in the sixties. And, um, and and I found that interesting that you've been a super fan of the Bee Gees for the past five years or so. Mm. And even before that, for like 20 years, you've been a fan of U2. Tell me a little bit about your
1: story, about how, first off, how you discovered the Bee Gees. We'll, we'll go, we'll start there. Bee Gees. Uh, okay. Uh, Bee Gees. Um, I grew up sort of making fun of Bee Gees. Um, I don't know if you've heard about the band called Sister Sisters. No. No. Um, Scissor Sisters, uh, the 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 current group. Yeah, um, I don't I I don't think they're active anymore, but they had like a song like "Don't Feel Like Dancing." Yes, I love
0: "Don't Feel Like Dancing," (laughs) and uh, uh,
1: "Take Me Out Tonight" or uh, "Laura." That's right. The
0: the the Scissor Sisters are like a cross between Queen and Led Zeppelin, and and, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. they have some Bee Gees quotes. They're like, yes, I love the Scissor Sisters. I have, you know, two or three of their albums. Um, but tell me how you discovered them. Sorry yes. to jump.
1: Well, I went to see them live, and then I remember this song, Don't Feel Like Dancing, and then uh, I've always heard of the Bee Gees. Uh, sort of, but I didn't, like, listen a lot to it. And then during the 2000s, uh, there was this commercial on the Norwegian radio. It was for a, a ferry company, uh, Stena Line. And then they said, ah, 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 ah Stena Line, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then, okay, that's, that's sort of a cool song. And then I remember the original song. And then one day I read in a magazine on the internet that oh, you've probably heard so many b g songs in your life. You just don't know that they're b g songs. Okay. And, and then I thought to myself, do I know a lot of b g songs? And then I decided I'm going to log on to Spotify and see what, what this group's got. And, and, you know, I listened to the first five songs. Oh, I know all these songs and I really liked them. You know, I really, really liked them like Tragedy, I don't know, which ones were first, How Deep Is Your Love. Uh, I liked all of them. And some of them I liked. And then, you know, I cut a little bit deeper. And and then I knew those songs too, you know. So there were so many songs I liked. And then I just continued doing that. So over the last five years, I've cut deeper and deeper into their catalogs. So I and, uh, only in September, I started buying all of their vinyl stuff. Uh, all the stuff I can get on vinyl. So I'm considering, I didn't want to get to that step, but I'm considering even buying a CD player now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you, you have to resort to buying outdated technology yeah. just to be able to play so many songs. In. And and yeah. that's something that I'm encountering as well because mm. they haven't released any kind of deep cut or unreleased things or some stuff on compilations um, to stream on Spotify or iTunes, the, the Bee Gees that that is. Um, and that's one of the frustrating things that us, uh, diehard fans have been, have been Mm. complaining about for the past couple of years is that they're sitting on this wealth of just awesome, awesome songs that aren't being exposed. And they just keep releasing the same old greatest hits albums over and over and over again. There's only so many times you could listen to staying alive before you're like, okay, I get it. Um, So yeah, I I definitely empathize with you on that. And yes, buy that old CD player, damn it.
1: (laughs) I I guess I have to do that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, So you mentioned the Scissor Sisters. Uh, Was it the similarity between the I don't feel like dancing song that
1: made that connection to the Bee Gees with you? No, it's just that I remember that we were making fun of Bee Gees, sort of I didn't tell that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, like so- because they're sort of mocking Bee Gees, even though I think they like Bee Gees, the sisters. Yeah. Um it's sort of a cross between mocking and and I I do remember I had a guilty pleasures in the nineteen nineties and I was it was a take that they had how deep is your love? Okay. I remember. I said, to my friends, um, uh, we were we never liked any of those boy bands, uh, but I re- I remember I really liked that song, uh, and I said, but you cannot deny that that is a beautiful song.
0: <laughs> it's a slippery slope because yeah, once yeah. you start like oh, and I unabashedly have expressed how much I love you know, music like that. Um, I, I, I went to go see Britney Spears in concert, uh, right out loud. Like I, I'm not shy with how horrible my taste (laughs) in music is. Um, but when my scissor sister story is, um, I was shopping at Best Buy, which is a giant like department store. Oh, you lived in California, so you might know Best Buy. Yeah, as, sure. Uh, music, yeah. Uh, and and this is when they had you know all the music and all the CDs and all the DVDs all on display, and you could go there and flip through CDs and shop. While I was shopping, I heard "I Don't Feel Like Dancing" <laughs> over the loudspeaker. Right. Yeah. And it instantly grabbed my attention because it sounded like a Bee Gees song. It does. And I love the idea of a dance song that says, I don't feel like dancing. <laughs> like, I think that's funny as hell.
1: Very ironic.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting there listening to it, obsessed with it instantly. And after the song was done playing, on the store speakers, they announced, you know, whatever DJ was was on that uh, on that channel or whatever, announced who was singing that song. And I instantly walked over... To the s section found that cd and the other one that they had and bought both of those <laughs> cool. right there on the spot huh. um and there's so many songs on there that i do like um and, and like i said yeah they, they're definitely influenced by you know disco groups they are. have yeah. to be the bgs yeah. definitely queen definitely that uh that um like bowie type mm. performers and and it, they're a lot of fun so they are so check them out, listeners. <laughs> um, so cool. So so even before you got into the Bee Gees, then you were also a fan of U2. Um, they're a, definitely a different type of band and they're a different type different. of sound. Yeah, uh, tell me about growing up uh, being a U2 fan.
1: Um, I think it was about the time then when you discovered Bee Gees because you discovered Bee Gees. You said I think it was 1993. And I think that's the year I discovered you too, and at that time I was around 18 years old. So I used a lot of, t- spent a lot of time watching MTV, and then um, the song "Mysterious Ways" came on, and I absolutely loved the song "Mysterious Ways." And uh, after hearing that song, um, I started diving into their catalog, and I bought all of their albums and i have seen them live three or four times um and uh yeah then that, that's the background for that one and i was a huge fan for 22 years um uh, why i sort of lost a little bit of interest i guess was because of the two last albums they really re- they released uh songs of innocence songs of experience i don't think they're Equally good as the previous stuff they released, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: Well, what's what's fun and what's going to be fun comparing them here just in a moment is that both the Bee Gees and you two are both iconic international bands. They 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 you know have that huge long career spanning multiple decades, and their sound changed from when they started beginning performing and and to where they are currently. Um, Of course the the Bee Gees. If you're listening to this, your chances are you're a Bee Gees fan, so you know that Barry, Robin and Morris, the brothers Gibb or the Bee Gees. And um you might not know, so I'll give you a little bit of info on you too. You you know who U2 is, but if you don't, U2 is an Irish rock band from Dublin. And this is straight from Wikipedia. Thank you very much. I've done a lot of great research on this. Um, U2 is an Irish rock band from Dublin, formed in 1976. The group consists of Bono with lead vocals and rhythm guitar, The Edge. That's the guy's name. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. He always he wore that like ski cap and was the cool cool that, looking that's not his real music.
1: name of course <laughs> <laughs> um
0: but he was on lead guitar keyboards yeah. and backing vocals adam clayton on bass guitar and La- larry mullen jr on drums and percussion initially rooted in post-punk u2's musical style has evolved throughout their career yet has maintained the anthemic quality built on bono's expressive vocals on the edge's chiming effects-based guitar sounds. Their lyrics, often embellished with spiritual imagery, focus on personal and socio-political themes, popular for their live performances. The group has staged several ambitious and elaborate tours over their career.
1: Um, Lots of good facts there. I think it's really interesting to know how they became a group. And that's uh, Larry Mullen the drummer of the group, when he was 14 years old. The school he went to put up a note on the the board at school, or the what do you call it, uh, where he put up... Bol- Bolton board? Bolton boards. Um, uh, yeah, he put up a note there. He wanted to form a band, and then he had a bunch of people coming in to wanting to be a part of you two and uh, so th- I think in the beginning there were like six or seven people uh, the edge his brother was also in the group but he decided they were probably not good enough so he wanted to, go to <laughs> group instead oh, boy. <laughs> mistake, mistake mistake I wonder if he ever regretted that I don't know really no but uh, so they ended up being those four and I think it's really cool about you two that they stay together all the time they've never split up and they're still a group um, they they had their first album released in 1980 and some 41 years later they're still a group still together still friends that's awesome that they
0: met at, <laughs> in like the classic kind of it's almost a movie trope at this point yeah there's that movie sing street a couple years ago yeah that had a band kind of formed in school for off a bolton board ad and, yeah. and stuff like that there's something very poetic and, and romantic about that idea it is um, so they, yeah that's really cool um some, something else that I found fascinating, too, is um, like the Bee Gees, they had their you know early success and then their huge heights in the 70s. U2 is kind of the same where they were hugely popular in the 80s, early 90s, hmm. and then kind of had that tail off. Um, so do you think that maybe the Bee Gees and U2 compare in that way where they're kind of lumped in with a decade and it's kind of just... I don't want to say it's over for them because clearly they're still making music, but in terms of uh, immense popularity, that's pretty much where they're pigeonholed. Um
1: uh, it is important to remember that U2 is still one of the biggest bands on this planet. I went to see them the last time I went to see them was in 2010, I think. And that show, the 360 World Tour was the biggest tour ever in history, which uh, grossed most uh, income for for the band. It 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 beat any other band in history. But they are on a little bit of decline. And it's not cool to like U2 anymore. Uh, whenever I talk to people about music, you know it was cool to be a U2 fan in the old days, and yeah. it's not anymore. Um, um and I guess as you sort of that was the case for U BGs, particularly probably in the 80s and uh, partially 90s and probably 2000s. Um, I- <laughs> <laughs> you just named 30 years of time, bro. I know, I know. and know, that's your no. favorite p- p- period of BGS, also. Uh, yeah. But you well, know, look, I, I think I, they're I, they're on the way up, definitely. Uh, BGS, Bee Gees Bee Gees, yeah. yeah I,
0: I think, and and that that always has been something that drove me as a fan. Was trying to help fight for their respect mm-hmm. and try to fight and get more fans or get my friends to become fans of the band because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it wasn't cool. I was never the cool kid because I like the Bee Gees. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I was always, yeah. That was always the quirky thing, is oh, yeah. And by the way, Dave's a Bee Gees fan. How weird is that? Um, but and yeah, it it would be interesting. I know a lot of people listening to this probably were fans back when the Bee Gees were cool mm. and and they you know had hits on the radio and they had merchandise and like this stuff that I have behind <laughs> yeah, me in glass yeah. right now yeah. was actually for sale in stores that's why I think this stuff is so cool because it preserves a time oh, yeah. where it was cool to be a Bee Gees fan and they were marketable and they were popular and and that's a fascinating thing for me to think of too um, it it would have been neat to experience, but again, I would rather take you know three decades of great music over being a flash in the pan, popular act.
1: But uh, we need to remember how important Bee Gees is for history because uh, they have uh, tons of, um, uh, you know, they have so many listeners. Uh, on Spotify. Um, at the moment, they're the band that's, I think they're like 255 or something in the world, uh, most listened to. And can you imagine how many contemporary artists that are on that list? And they still have something like 15 and a half million listeners every, uh, every month on Spotify. And I also see the streaming numbers on YouTube, they're, they're massive. Um, and so. I, I don't think all of those people listening to Spotify are only old people from who were fans in the in the seventies. I don't know. I think they they're gaining popularity.
0: I I agree and I hope so and, and I'm definitely encouraged when I see things like uh scrolling through Instagram and seeing people doing covers of their songs or, you know, picking up a guitar and just strumming along and singing, you know, how deep is your love? And a lot of times it's people from all over the world. Uh, they're huge right now in South America and, and, um, and, um, Central America, because, um, like I'm always seeing people who, who don't even speak English learning the lyrics and singing along. And that to me is just awesome. So I really, I really love, I I love seeing it reaching new fans, new generations, and 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 being celebrated, and, and that we're far enough away from the stigma of whatever disco was that it's it's being rediscovered again.
1: And also the documentary. Have you seen how many people who really say that they they love the documentary? I don't know. Do you know the Foo Fighters? Oh yeah, yeah. Big role.
0: The- Back when I had my long hair, I used to be called <laughs> Dave Grohl all the time yeah. because I had that similar look to it, to, to my face. But I, I went
1: to see Foo Fighters in Denmark uh, two years ago, two summers ago, 2019. And you know whose head was on the drum set? No. Of course, Barry Gibb. <laughs> was it really? Yeah, so I was the most excited I was all night was, oh, they have got Barry Gibb on the drum set. <laughs> That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, since then, they have made two cover songs of Bee Gees songs. Yeah. Uh, have you seen them? Probably. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. 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 They did, um, I think
0: they You Should Be Dancing, yeah. and um, one was an Andy song. Yeah, um, right. Uh, I just want to be your everything, maybe.
1: Uh, no, probably shadow like, dancing.
0: Shadow dancing. Yeah,
1: yeah I, yeah. I, I forgot at the moment. I, I really liked the last one. That was the that's the drummer singing, by the way. But yeah. uh, I don't. I didn't like the other one that well because I didn't like his full set like I like Barry's full set
0: Yeah, it's very hard to replicate. Barry's falsetto. Hmm. Um, There are are people who have their own version of their falsetto, which Hmm. is fine, but trying to do it like Barry's, it it comes off really bad. I remember seeing a cover band, a a Bee Gees tribute band, and the lead who was doing his falsetto was so bad. Hmm. And it was just so, like, I was almost like, I don't want to say offended, but it was like, it was, it was squeaky, like a chipmunk, like Alvin and the chipmunks. And it was, Mm -hmm. I almost left, but you know, I paid for the seats and, and I was drinking heavily. So I stayed, um, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's tough to replicate. And also like, it's, it's talked about a lot, their harmony. Yeah. And the three brothers' voices together, you can't replicate that. You can't get three people who aren't related to have those same vocal qualities to blend in the way that the PGs do. And that's why you can't, you know,
1: have cover bands
0: that aren't brothers. Um, but,
1: right. I, I, yeah. Um, you know about the harmonies, uh, Robin Gibb, he was a guest at this, in the Norwegian talk show. Um, and they talked about the harmonies and BBC, the you know the British uh, Broadcasting Company. They compared the best harmonies in history, and the ones I think they made to the fa- final would be the Beatles, and then they would have the Beach Boys, and then they had Bee Gees. And right. uh, who do you think came out on top? <laughs> Was it the Bee Gees? Yes, they right. they said it's the best harmonies I get, I get, ever.
0: I could see how the Beach Boys might be close as well, yeah. because the Beach Boys have that same brother quality. Because, yeah, they had the Wilson brothers there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, I'm glad the uh, the BGs definitely did. Current bands like uh, the Jonas Brothers and Hanson also have very similar harmonies because it's a group of brothers mm-hmm. um so it's interesting i, I catch myself liking uh, a hansen song or a jonas brother song every now and again
1: um because of that quality i don't listen a lot to those bands but uh, didn't hansen do a Bee Gees cover
0: Did that uh pro- maybe uh they might have done it live uh, yeah. on one of their tours yeah i um, think
1: they did i don't remember what it was
0: they have a song i would really dig it's called penny and me mm-hmm. and that's that's one of my favorites uh of theirs uh because you know they they were just on the us version of mass singer mm-hmm. and um and it was obvious to everybody who was listening it was like oh yeah that's Hanson because hmm. they have that vocal quality that you could definitely tell um of course they get stigmatized with the mbop thing and they were pigeonholed as that silly kid band so i i know that they probably have the same sort of uh chip on their shoulder that the bgs had to have had whenever they had disco yeah um, but um but they make they make quality music as well
1: oh that's cool all
0: right i think it's time now for the bgs versus you two. yeah tail of the tape <laughs> Alright, the Bee Gees have released 22 studio albums, had 83 singles, 2 live albums, 15 compilations, and appeared on 4 soundtracks. One of those soundtracks was nineteen seventy-seven Saturday Night Fever, which puts the Brothers Gibbs estimated total records sold at $220 million during that career that spanned multiple genres and 4 plus decades. U2 has released... 14 studio albums, had 73 singles, one live album, nine EPs, and three compilations. You 2 have sold an estimated 175 million records worldwide, with eight albums reaching number one in the U.S., third most out of any group. Hmm. Impressive numbers, very neck and neck over multiple decades of music.
1: What do you think of the tale of the tape, Airfrode? it is very impressive um and i also read somewhere um or several places actually that uh, bg's is the sixth most biggest selling group of all time
0: yeah yeah if if you take into consideration saturday Night fever and i think a lot of those a lot mm. of these stats have saturday fever soundtrack included in because otherwise then you know they wouldn't have wouldn't have sold to me i think that's a bg's album that Saturday it, is. it is it is <laughs> like like it and and i always say and this is going to be a podcast for another day i would be astounded and amazed to know what it would have been like had they released it as its own album instead of having that music folded into the movie right. i think they would have had a different career path i think they could have had different um like i think their respect would have been a little bit different i think if it wasn't attached but regardless that's another that's yeah. another thing um one of the things between those numbers that i just told that uh interests me is u2 has had eight of their albums reaching number one the Bee Gees, in their time have only had one album reach number one and that was spirits having flown right of course yeah. of course not counting uh the saturday Night fever soundtrack so,
1: so i mean you, you get to say two albums done
0: yeah so we'd say two two albums, number one. Of course, you know, Saturday Night Fever is one of the biggest albums of all time, yeah. so that's hard to compare anything to that. So um, let's take a look at the Billboard Hot 100. This is the stats for the United States' um, performance,
1: at least. So it's a little skewed. Sorry, I would say there are actual. two charts that matter, and that's Billboard, and that's the English chart.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, I... I I have the uh, Billboard Hot 100 right now. Yeah, so, yeah. The Bee Gees have recorded 43 songs in the Billboard Hot 100. 15 were top 10 hits. Nine of those reached number one. U2 has recorded 34 songs that made it to the Billboard's top 100. Six were top 10 hits, two of which yeah. hit number one. Frodo, can you name the two? US number one hits? Oh, for that YouTube. was a
1: very difficult question. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I would say no. Um, I would think uh, With or Without You. That is the first of theirs, yes. Uh, and then the other one is more difficult. Uh, one, perhaps? Nope. No. I'll I, give you a hint. It's off the
0: same album, Joshua Tree.
1: Right, yes. Uh, Fly. Fly. I still
0: haven't found what I'm looking for. Oh yeah, that's from the Georgia Three. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that, uh, so with or without you, peaked at number one in May, on May sixteenth, nineteen eighty-seven. And then later on that year, in August, on August eighth, nineteen eighty-seven. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Was their other number one hit? So even though um, they had more number one albums, their
1: songs didn't peak as much as the Bee Gees did and it also tells you how difficult it is to write a number one hit as you talked about on the bruce springsteen podcast i don't think he ever had the number one hit uh he wrote a song for someone else that was the number one but yeah isn't that crazy to think that of all of bruce springsteen's Albums, like Born in the USA, all the, the iconic, huge Bruce Springsteen. And uh, yeah, um, but uh, Barry Gibb, you know how many number one hits he wrote in his career?
0: Um, I don't have that offhand. But I know. I'll, I'll say 3,000. <laughs> 3, <000.
1: laughs> no, that's not right. <laughs> uh, if you how were many? to take a guess. Um, so See. because wrote or co-wrote, because he, you know... Nine with BGS, and then he also had more hits with uh, which uh, BGS. I'll, I'll I'll say so, including the BGS hits too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll say seventeen. Yeah, sixteen. Nice. I was yeah, and combined, if you combine uh, Billboard with um, uh, the American chart, uh, I mean the English chart, then it he has written twenty-one number one hits.
0: Wow that's inc- that's insane it and is. and
1: and people 21 different hits
0: p- people hold lennon and mccartney up as greatest songwriters of all time yeah barry gibb if, if lennon and mccartney are number one barry gibb is 1a because hmm. his his scope and his his hit record
1: is as a songwriter is insane what you're saying there is spot on because that's what guinness book a record Records also say they have the best or the most successful songwriter of all time, according to Guinness Book of Records. That's uh Paul McCartney. Number two is Barry Gibb, because of the list I just mentioned with the n- <laughs> number of number and then John Lennon is third. Okay. Yeah.
0: And 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 he's only third because his life was cut short yeah. in yeah. 1980. So yeah. that's um. All right, let's take a look now at awards. Now this is the area that always <laughs> will go to the other people besides the Bee Gees. The Bee Gees have not been critically acclaimed or critically rewarded until later in their careers. They have they have nine Grammy nominations on only five wins. Mm. They've had five American Music Awards. They did get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 1979. Uh, Songwriters Hall of Fame in 1994 and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1997. They were named Commanders of the British Empire in 2001, and Barry Gibb was knighted in the year 2018. U2, on the other hand, have 46 nominations for Grammy Awards and have won 22 Grammy Awards. They won Best Rock Performance by a Duo Group seven times while winning Album of the Year, Record of the Year, Song of the Year, and Best Rock Album of the Year all twice each. Um, they have won American Music Award for Artists of the Year in 2002. They've received two Golden Globes. And in 2005, were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
1: Right, yes. And that's very interesting because you could say that uh, the number of awards you two have won, that's the most for any group in history, by the way. That's it. Okay. Uh, yeah. And no group has won as many Grammy Awards as U2. I would say that the number of Grammy Awards they have won clearly exceeds the popularity of U2. Um, they're probably not the most popular band of all time, even though they're hugely popular and very, very, and very good band. But uh, when it comes to BGS, uh, the number of awards they have won clearly undermines the quality of the band. And yeah. then the question is, why, why is it, I would say they're probably, both of them are huge in history. And then why is there such a gap between the number of awards they've won?
0: Yeah, I, I, I can't even fathom because even at their popularity at, in 67, they, they didn't get the recognition then. Right, they yeah. kind of split up for a little bit in the early '70s, but then came back with Sirena Fever. Yeah. that that four-year run in the late '70s should have, uh, you know, they should have got more, but they just didn't respect disco then. And then there was the huge backlash, and then they were in the shadows for all that time. So, yeah, definitely commercially, they have their success, but the respect of the critics they never got. And again, who are these critics that are voting on this stuff? That's what you got to look at. Like, that's, I think, says more about the critics and what they say more than it does about the Bee Gees and their performance.
1: I also think there's another thing there. You know, uh, U2 is such or at least Bono, he's so concerned with politics and he expresses his views on politics and religion at all times. Whereas uh, Bee Gees, they have more songs about love all the time. Uh, yeah, they don't have as many political loaded songs
0: yeah i could definitely see that as something that um th- that an awards group yeah would try to reward to bring some uh attention to yeah. that socioeconomic, that that political type of uh, stance and i think that's what helped uh, bruce springsteen out our last versus episode as well mm. uh there was a lot of uh loaded um political stuff built into his his uh performances as well yeah um they're, yeah they're a
1: little bit similar when it comes to politics um, or yeah. political views and stuff
0: yeah. yeah and and i think that's a, a benefit and also could be a little bit of a, a, a I don't want to say a curse but um i could see how some people would be put off by some of the preachy um yeah. uh messages and and things like that um I know you you we we exchanged musical playlists, you yeah. and I. Um you gave me some deep cuts of um you two. I gave you some deep cuts on the Bee Gees. And there were definitely a couple songs on there that got to me t- t- like Bono just starts talking and he starts reciting a poem in the middle of a song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I I I just had to go next. I I mm. I wasn't up for it. I had to be in a certain okay. mind frame for a song like that. Yeah. And um and yeah, I could, I could, like sometimes I want to listen to music, and I just want to hear some some fun pop or some catchy guitar riff, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, but one of the songs, one of the popular songs that you two had that was able to kind of transcend that popular, and also having a statement or making a statement was maybe one of their biggest hits, "Pride in the yeah. Name of Love." Yeah, um, that was. Th- uh, obviously written about Martin Luther King and about that movement, the civil rights movement, and um, they mention his uh, you know assassination in the song. yeah and um, but yet because of its anthem quality, it kind of rose to being this pop
1: culture uh, phenomenon thing as well. But, you know, in the beginning, it wasn't a plan to write about Martin Luther King. In the beginning, it was supposed to be a song about Ronald Reagan and how he was a, p- a patriot and uh, negative things about Ronald Reagan. Ah, uh, and then uh, all of a sudden, he, he changed it all around to be a positive thing. So a song instead sort of like honoring those people who, who yeah, who had yeah. pride. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, we're definitely going to talk more about that song. Yeah. Uh, you and I are going to have a listening party episode. Uh, yeah. So it'll come out uh, a week or so after this airs as well. And uh, we'll go through some Bee songs. We'll go through some U2 songs and we'll mm-hmm. talk a little bit about it and uh, have some fun and then listen to the music as well. So uh, that'll be coming up. Uh, let's shift now to the Bee Gees and U2 in pop culture. So this is something that I thought had a little bit of parallel between the two groups. The Bee Gees, of course, made their huge impact on pop culture in the late 70s with Saturday Night Fever. So their disco songs, their disco anthems, their presence was hugely tied into that movement. Um, U2 in the 80s had their moments as well, but one pop culture moment from you two that sticks out for me is an episode of friends where ross and rachel are having a fight are you familiar with this oh yeah watched all of them. so uh i think this is after the after they break up ross yeah. and rachel are fighting ross is uh dedicating a song to rachel on the radio so the radio is playing and the dj's like oh uh this one goes out to from Ross to Rachel he still loves you blah 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 and the song is you two's with or without you ah, i don't remember that <laughs> and um and it's like this powerful moment where you know we're supposed to feel the two of them coming back together and they show Rachel reaching for the phone and she dials the phone and as a viewer you're like oh she's calling Ross mm-hmm. they're going to talk they're going to get back together but really Rachel calls into the radio station explains to the radio DJ of how Ross cheated on her <laughs> and then all of a sudden you hear the record stop on the radio and the DJ says you know what? We just heard from Rachel and we found out what Ross did. <laughs> and we don't want to play this song anymore. That's funny. And and it was a really fun moment. And t- when I hear that song, I think of that scene from Friends, 1994 or whenever that was. I ah,
1: said so it was one of the early years, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, it was it
0: was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. They just had their reunion. That's Friends.
0: Yeah. Did you watch it? Yeah. I thought it. Was, I thought it was great. It yeah. was one of those uh, again, kind of like we talked about how, you know, uh, I listened to the BGS over and over and over again. Yeah. Friends is that same way. I could put on a Friends episode at any point during any of their ten-year run, right. and I could watch it and still enjoy it because it's that, that comfort food that that. S- wonderful. And the first, you know, five or six seasons of Friends was incredible.
1: Yeah, I love Friends. And, and uh, it was so fun to see the reunion and Lady Gaga coming on there to sing Smelly Cat and stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you could tell that they didn't tell Lisa Kudrow. Like, she was no. surprised. She was like, what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> um, that was... Yeah, cool. that was- that was fun and 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 hearing some of the, the the behind the scenes stories and seeing some of the like I could have watched them see, if it was just a straight hour of them playing that trivia game yeah i could i could have just watched that whole thing because uh, seeing yeah. them interact with each other again was so fun
1: i, I had to you know um in when i watched it i had like a hard time seeing what's now and what was then i think uh, yeah except for joey they looked very good still most of them. <laughs> or maybe Chandler. Yeah he, yeah he put yeah joey put on
0: a couple pounds yeah. chandler um i guess got new teeth for the show but it yeah. was so like he didn't talk too much because he was still in pain from like emergency surgery the oh, day yeah. before or something like that i don't know yeah um he's yeah matthew perry's had a little bit of a rough time but yeah. uh but yeah they all look great and it, it was it was a lot of fun so um Okay, now here's something about you 2 that, for me, gets a thumbs down.
1: Mm, Okay.
0: In 2014, their album Songs of Innocence was forced onto every single iTunes account and forced (laughs) onto every single person's iPhone. That was Um, a
1: major, major mistake.
0: Yeah, so they touted it as, quote, the largest album release of all time. Yeah. Of all time. It was placed on over a half a billion devices, taking up space on people's phones, whether they wanted it or not. And I remember it happening, and I remember it
1: having such a big backlash. Uh, Yeah, and that was uh, such a dumb move, because then you're sort of forcing someone to, like, group. How stupid is that? And I remember I have a uh, one of my best friends he he also liked YouTube. He doesn't listen to them anymore, but he used to like YouTube a lot, and he was so mad about that album <laughs> i I don't want this on my cell phone. I don't listen to YouTube anymore, so why should this be on my cell phone?
0: Yeah, what was funny or not funny, but what was aggravating at the time is like when whenever your phone would pair up with a car, mm. it would just sometimes start playing. So I found it always, I'd go in my car and start my car. And then all of a sudden my iTunes would pop up. It would connect with my phone, with the the radio in the car and start playing U2. And I'm like, I don't want to listen to this right now. (laughs) This is not something I signed up for. And uh, Apple at the time made it so that you couldn't easily delete it. Like they disabled the delete function. And it was only a couple of weeks later or something where you had to like go in and hit some sort of like disclaimer that says, I know if I delete this, I permanently delete it and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And everybody was like afterwards, we're like, hey, we were just trying to give a gift of our music to the world. And it was like, that's kind of the problem is the world didn't ask for your gift. Um,
1: So true. I agree. with um, Yeah, 100%.
0: So, yeah, that was that was a little bit of a later day this was 2014 so it was only you know uh, a couple years ago actually no well
1: 20 it's 2021 now so that was seven (laughs) years ago but it
0: felt like two years ago yeah um so that was a little uh thumbs up and thumbs down
1: and the album in itself is not very good in my opinion
0: no if if you wanted to give me u2's greatest Mm -hmm. hits like I will take U2's greatest hits yeah. uh, on on my phone. I love their 80s stuff and I love some of their other things. The the one Batman song was 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 fun. Yeah. But uh if if you're gonna make me have all their <laughs> new old like new stuff that I never heard before, it was just it was it was not fun. Now this is now where I have to say the disclaimer that mm-hmm. this is of course Uh, a a fun exercise of comparing these two groups that there's no real winner or loser of the Bee Gees versus you two. This isn't, uh, you know, one has to win. (laughs) This music is subjective. You're allowed to like both of them. You're allowed to like some of one and some of the other. You're allowed to like them both. So like, just like I had with Bruce Springsteen, I don't want people to necessarily choose. This is kind of just a way to get people Uh, exposed to other music and uh, to have a fun conversation about it. Uh, And if it was a real contest, the Bee Gees would win because this is my show. Yes. So Good point. um, I want to end this segment with a fun fact. Um, This head-to-head segment where we're talking about Bee Gees versus um, U2. Um, Just like we did with Bruce Springsteen, we found a way that the Bee Gees and Bruce connected. So Barry Gibb and Bruce Springsteen did cover versions of each other's songs at live performances back in you know the 2014-2013 uh, timeframe. So uh, going forward with these verses episodes, I want to find similar connections to bring the unity together of these two groups. So instead of Bee Gees versus U2, it's Bee Gees and U2. So this is a fun versus fact. So fun versus fact for Bee Gees and U2. Anton Corbin is a Dutch photographer, film director and music video director. He is the creative director behind the visual output of Depeche Mode and U2 having handled both the uh, principal promotion and sleeve photography for both of these bands over three decades. He was also the photographer for the Bee Gees' Still Waters album, capturing Mm. the cover of that album and also the cover of its single, Alone. So if you look at... 1987 album joshua tree you could see that it shares a lot of composition with the bg's 1997 album still waters how each photo is framed with both sideways profile bono and you 2 and morris and the bgs the dark clothing the black and white images the significant landscape setting it's a super cool connection that i wouldn't have known unless i looked into it a little deeper and found out so thank you frodo for introducing me this concept in this episode because i wouldn't have discovered
1: anton corbin's photography connection that was very interesting i know about that <laughs> and, and 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 they look a lot similar yeah
0: like the and, and and i don't have a physical copy of joshua tree here but um i'm gonna i'm gonna put the images on my social media and on the web pages yeah how how significantly similar that is with I'm gonna move so I could see where I'm yeah. So <laughs> you have Bono there looking sideways. Kinda yeah. you could you could kinda put the two of these pictures together and it almost looks like, as I get an email. Yeah. It almost looks like it'd be the same picture because you have these rolling hills in the background of the desert. And here we have the hills here with the forest and the trees up here. And and you could even see on the uh the alone picture as well yeah the, the different roller, very similar landscape type photo and I, I can't tell behind them here in this alone picture if that is water that looks like this is water here in the background so it might not be a desert as it was for the joshua tree photo shoot um but either way it's it's definitely a, a cool comparison that
1: that it is i didn't know it existed and you know the joshua tree album it's so iconic uh and i have to say the steel waters album cover picture it is great yeah it's one of the best that bgs have i think
0: and that that's not the only connection frode you you said that there was also um, some quotes that bono had talking about the bgs is that right
1: Yeah, he's got some interesting quotes, Um, or there are at least three interesting quotes where Bono talks about BGs. And the first one is he says uh, he had like 10 points about different kinds of artists in history, and he gave the prize for the haircuts to (laughs) BGs. He said, The haircuts, they're so bad, they were ignored for years category. Bee Gees, best of the Bee Gees. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, uh, they were they had tunes and more tunes. It must have hurt to know that you were great and not to be taken seriously as, say, like progressive rock. Um, so that's the first quote. Uh, yeah. Okay. The second quote no i th- I think that's that
0: goes to what we have been saying about not getting the respect, being yeah. so good and just being underappreciated and and not getting those awards and not getting those things and yeah, yeah, he's right i I agree
1: with Bono on that one. <laughs> that's good um and uh, another thing he said about uh b g s is uh when uh, Bono turned sixty years old, he wrote uh sixty letters to artists that he really respects. And one of them was Barry Gibb, uh, because at the time, unfortunately, both Robin and Morris were not anymore. Um, so I will read a letter that he wrote to Barry to you, and he chose one song in particular. Um, he, he writes, Dear Barry, I could have picked Stain Alive, 12-inch vinyl version, as it's an invocation that gets uh trickier to pull off by the year but i'm going to run go, run with immortality because when you last played in dublin there was no other bg on stage and immortality was the encore you played and for your brothers we don't say goodbye and i don't know where well, what i've got to be There is a reason why John Lennon loved your songs. There is a reason why I love your songs. They are just better than most people's. I know songwriters or any art form is not supposed to be empirical, but it's just not true. Some songs are better than others, and this is one of them. And so is Massachusetts, and so is tragedy. I mean, really, how dare you fuck off from a fan, Bono. (laughs)
0: Uh, and i'm sure that fuck off was purely out of love and respect
1: (laughs) yeah Um, it it is
0: yeah like the the barry has that respect and and it's good to see them get to that place where they're held in high regard as songwriters and as as music contributors um, by their peers which is which is great
1: and there's one more quote. One more. Yeah, there's one more, and there's Robin's response to the quote. Oh, okay. um, the 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 quote I have is uh, was after Robin's death, but he obviously have said the same thing before because he's uh, replied to something similar. Just so that you know, uh, this is what uh, Bono said about the Bee Gees. In terms of bands, there are five extraordinary catalogs that make me feel ill with envy. It doesn't mean it doesn't have to be said that the Bee Gees are up there with the Beatles, said Bono in the statement. And then Robin Gibb heard what Bono had said about Bee Gees and his uh, response to that would be chuffed by Bono's Beatles comparison, Robin Gibbs says. The Beatles are still used to measuring sticks for success today, and they only lasted eight years. It's the songs they created a whole culture. He mentions that only on the new album, his brother Morris plays an acoustic guitar, which was given to him by John Lennon on his 21st birthday. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if you know the word chuffed. It's I don't think Americans use that word. Spell it. C H U F F E D. No, don't know that one. It means to be thrilled. It's I mean you know. Ah, Okay. So he's English. That's why I used that word.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Well, I mean the the strata of performers is undeniable the the Beatles are up there the Bee Gees are up there yeah. U2 is up there you know Bono Barry Lennon McCartney yeah um, they're all household names for a reason and and yeah. that 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 proves it so very cool thanks for sharing those man thanks for yeah. finding them yeah. so there you go that's Bee Gees versus U2 I think we laid out a nice groundwork for the listeners at home to to make their own decision on who is better even though again like i said you don't have to choose it's just how we're looking at it um Frode, thank you so much for joining me on this episode it was wonderful to talk with you about these two iconic international bands
1: thank you so much for having me
0: and listeners, don't forget, Frode and I will be back with a listening party episode exclusively on Spotify where we're going to talk about some of these songs and listen to them and have a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Frode. appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Bee Gees vs. U2 special episode of Bee Gees and Me. And of course, thank you again to Frode Aplin for being my guest on this show. Look our listening party episode available exclusively on spotify one week after this episode is published so that might even be out now depends on how late you're listening to this one go check right now spotify Listen to a lot of bg's music it's awesome be sure to follow me on instagram and twitter at bg's and me like us on facebook and subscribe to our youtube channel for great videos everything and more is at bgzme. dot and please be sure to subscribe here where you listen to this podcast and rate it five stars. It helps so much. Thank you for listening. My name is David Fedor, and this has been BGs Bee and Me
1: and many more.